This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on the Twitters. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. No, it's fine. It's it's fine. Um, welcome to the Obsessive Viewer, where a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic via genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com and find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com. And also come check us out at Indie PopCon, June 26th to the 28th. We'll be recording throughout the weekend and giving away DVDs to the booth. And tickets are available at uh, indiepopcon.com. So, uh, this week we're talking about TV dads. TV dads. Yes, because here in a couple weeks it's going to be Father's Day. Right. And so, you know. We both have fathers. We do. We do. Um, I think most people do. Most people do. Yeah. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, but before we get to the uh, topic, I want to I wanna bring up this brief news news item that popped up recently. And, uh, and uh, this is completely... This isn't intentional, but it's funny because this will be the third week in a row that we've talked about um, something Stephen King related. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, see what happens, Mike, when you leave the podcast? We <laughs> turn it into a Stephen King podcast. <laughs> but anyway, the news is that the Stand uh, the stand adaptation that's going to be made by uh, Josh Boone is there's talk, I think it's almost pretty much confirmed that it's going to have an eight episode mini series on Showtime that's gonna lead to the the movie adaptation. Nice. Yeah, so it's it's definitely interesting. And you know, it's funny, there's uh, there a lot of the comments that I read about this was that it would they felt like a lot of people were down on it, thinking that it wouldn't be that it that it's not a good idea, but I mean <laughs> This goes back to them talking about doing the Dark Tower as a movie and TV show adaptation coinciding with one another and everything. But this is something that Stephen King's work needs to be this kind of adaptation, this kind of – if not solely on TV, then it needs to have a TV um, TV and movie kind of meld. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus it will be on Showtime. And all I kept thinking was um, eight episodes – Considering how much story and everything that HBO got into True Detective in the first season, um, in eight episodes, I mean, you could, you could really, really do some good stuff with with the stand, um, in eight episodes, and then like a three three and a half hour movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Stephen King stories are innovation can only help Stephen King stories, I guess. Yeah, like that's that's the best way you could do a Stephen King movie is to innovate right absolutely so yeah so hopefully that happens and uh hopefully it happens well yes um but on to our topic of the day we're talking about tv dads and this is um if you know if we damn it if we hadn't like discussed this off the air i would have i would have been like like i had in my head i started laughing at work today because i was thinking like what i'm gonna do when we record is i'm going to just say today we're talking about tv dads so these are people that create some of our favorite tv shows <laughs> just to throw you off just to see the look on your face but i didn't get a chance to do that but <laughs> funny. yeah anyway um but no tv dads are just tv characters that are dads in tv shows 
Um, and Tiny, you had a really good idea for how we should do this, so why don't you uh, run with that? Sure. Um, I was thinking, you know, this is such... There's there's so many TV dads. There's so many TV dads. There's just too many to count. And so instead of, like, me listing three and you listing three, that's just too... It's just, like, too narrow. There's just not enough there um, yeah. to, to really dive into this topic. Um, so I decided, why don't we kind of break it down? Why don't we categorize it mm-hmm. and, and break it down into like a couple of different categories of a type of dad or like, like, like an ar- archetypical dad that you can mm-hmm. think about that fits into certain criteria, certain criteria. Yeah. Yeah. And those kind of, I came up with three and just kind of, they're, they're kind of the go-to, I guess, kind of, kind of like the go-to categories for dads, I think. Yeah. It's a pretty good, like like spread. Yeah. Um, I couldn't really, th- I couldn't, I was hard pressed to come up with a fourth, with a fourth category. Yeah. So, and we have plenty of different dads for each category. So, mm-hmm. Oh, it worked out to four each. Nice. Oh, cool. So, but yeah, it's just kind yeah. of, um, this kind of, these categories kind of span different generations too. Like I think, um, it depends on like, like if you're talking about a comedy or a drama, if it's a half hour sitcom or if it's just like, you know, uh, an hour long drama on uh, cable, you know, there's mm-hmm. like, there's all kinds of different, different time periods where you'll see these dads fit into, I'm not explaining that well Different at all. genres of television. Right. And, and different, and, uh, right. Yeah. And you know, like, the, like, like certain, certain, there's kind of peaks and valleys, like certain, uh, certain types of dads are popular at certain times across, mm-hmm. across the, the history of television, I guess. Yeah, totally. Like, it's kind of the same as like now it's kind of trendy to have these kind of dark anti-hero kind of characters right. and that's kind of the same in terms of you know depicting fatherhood in television. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, although for all that he for all the for all the meth that he made, Walter White wasn't really depicted as you know his the fatherhood aspect of his life wasn't really depicted that well. So Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So anyway, so why don't we go into our subcategories for TV dads. Sure. And before we do, I want to just mention that if Mike were still on the podcast and he was still here, um, that makes it sound like he's dead. Um, (laughs) (laughs) If Mike was here, he would bring up, uh, for sure, he would bring up the father from Parenthood. Right. uh, Craig T. Nelson. Right. Which I still haven't watched, so. Reference. uh, Did he bring that up in a potpourri? Um, Or was he talking about when he did that, like... TV dialogue. TV dialogue. Yeah. That's right. Yep. That was pretty cool when he went there. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was good. So... So anyway, but what is our first subcategory, Tony? The first category I have um, uh, kind-heartedly, with good intent, <laughs> labeled the idiots. <laughs> um, and it's just, you probably know exactly who we're going to reference here. These, mm-hmm. are, these are the dads that are just kind of the, the bumbling dummies who, you know, their, their wives basically have to treat them like a fourth kid or like a yeah. third kid, you know? Um because they're basically just big kids themselves and they're mm-hmm. always getting into hijinks and they're basically just big dumb kids with money. <laughs> you know, it's it's really it's kind of silly. Um they can have other aspects. I think sometimes what are what these shows infuse into these these fathers is that they're kind of dumb and they're silly mm-hmm. but they really care about their kids for the most part. Yeah. Um, you know, they well, really, they, tr- they try to be good dads. Right, yeah. They, they try to be good dads. Maybe they're not the best dads. They don't put their their 
immaturity for lack of a better word above raising their kids right They're just kind of that's just the dynamic that's that's established between uh the in the parental units of the household mm-hmm. um, but the the home run of this category or the the top dog is obviously homer simpson the the homer run oh my god i'm regretting that so the, much the homer run poor analogy self yeah. the simpsons the so simpsons. homer simpson yes um, homer simpson he chokes Bart a lot. <laughs> he does. And it's, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I was prepared to go into the kind of this whole like, okay, well, Homer's just this silly, silly dullard of a character who's, who's, you know, in its heyday, he was very, he commanded a lot of the storylines in the show is mm-hmm. from his st- stupidness. Yeah. But I'm glad you said that because. Uh, Homer Simpson is very violent. <laughs> he is, um, which is kind of, kind of childish, really. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's in, very uh, in a way. Yeah, it, but it's kind of, I don't know. It's it's funny. It's it's just funny to see the way that it's depicted. I kind of wonder if it would. I haven't seen any of the like late episodes of of The Simpsons, but I kind of wonder if it's still if him strangling part is still part of that. <laughs> that thing or if it's it's been kind of phased out because now it's kind of we're living in kind of this this time frame where it's kind of you know i mean this is going to sound awful um it's not cool to strangle your kids right (laughs) um even for like comedic effect on a cartoon so i kind of wonder if that that would i wonder if that sensitivity has reached an institution like the simpsons right we're like Um, ultra pc now exactly something so unpolitically correct on yeah anymore yeah um but i wonder myself yeah but at his heart, Homer Simpson is still a, a very entertaining person and a good father. Right. At times there's um my god the the one like the one episode that like even the even seeing the a screen cap of it on on Reddit on the Simpson subreddit kind of just got me a little like choked up a little bit. Really? Um yeah, there's one scene where it's kind of early in the series i want to say it's like i I don't remember what season but it's an episode where i can't remember the specifics but it's like he's questioning um i think he's he's questioning his commitment to to his job or something like that or why he works at the power plant or something Mm -hmm. and so mr burns something happens at the end of the episode after having a having a work related adventure of of potentially losing his job and everything like that mr burns puts a a poster thing on the wall it may have been a flashback episode like uh, maggie's first word or something like that hmm. um oh no maggie's first word has a different ending that was really touching it might be the same one anyway i'm all over the place but anyway so mr burns posts puts this poster this like this like this I don't remember what it is, but it's like a poster that just says, "Never forget, uh, you you're here forever," or something like this, or "You're doing this Jeez. forever," or something like that. And what he did was he what Homer did was he put like I'm getting chills just just thinking about it, but he put up a bunch of pictures of Maggie um, all over it so that it yeah. says, "Do it for her." For her, yeah. I was like, that is so that's so nice. That's really sweet. Yeah. And the episode, it may be the same one, but the the one with Maggie's first word, where they're kind of all talking about, um, I think they're telling flashbacks to when Bart said his first word and Lisa said her first word and all that. Um, and they're trying to get Maggie to talk, and then, like it just ends on this just very touching moment because I think I think if I'm not mistaken, Bart's first word was Homer, 
and then I want to say Lisa's was Bart. Um, but Homer was depressed because you know he you know he doesn't get the respect or anything of a father figure. Mm-hmm. And then, like it just, the episode just ends uh, with Maggie alone in her crib after after Homer's put her to bed and then leaves the room and she just says "Daddy" or "Dada" or something. Yeah. I was like, God, like that kind of that kind of that kind of thing is just it's strong. I, I love that kind of kind of aspect of that kind of situation in The Simpsons. Those two. And I feel like those two examples kind of encompass the kind of father that Homer Simpson is depicted to be in his more uh, serious moments. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. Um, another one, modern modern example of a kind of an idiot, bumbling, doofy dad is... A modern example. I didn't even think of that. I did. Go ahead. Oh, my God. Puns. That's so <laughs> punny. Um, Phil Dunphy from Modern Family. Modern family, modern, yeah. but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he totally fits this category. Very, very different from Homer Simpson because he's, he's, he's just kind of goofy. Um, he takes his job really seriously and tries really hard at his job, and um, but he does stuff where like he tries to, I don't know, he tries to go buy a Porsche, and <laughs> for whatever reason, or he. Uh, I don't know. He just does silly. Th- he tries to. <sighs> he's he's a goofy. He's a goofy character who kind of. He's not. I feel like it, it may be a disservice to call him an indi- an idiot because he's not. He's 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 not an idiot. He's just that's that's the like we established in, when we talked about this this category. He's it's part of his the dynamic of the of the household is his relationship with Claire. Yeah, is very much defined by his kind of. She's kind of a stricter parent, and and he's kind of this. He's aloof. He's aloof. He's he's a bit of an oaf and a bit, kind of not dumb, but he's more fun. Um, right. And I think the 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 children in the show, the char- the kids, can kind of relate to him more. Although, although, if and I I I haven't seen Modern Family in a, in a, several years, so I, I haven't seen it since like season two. But I kind of feel like the the connection with the parents. But between or the connection between uh, Phil Dunphy and his kids is really well established in those early seasons and the, the episodes that I saw was because he he kind of has a connection with Luke, um, and then as they kind of grow as you go through the through the different characters of the of his children, like it's it's accurate because like the oldest daughter is embarrassed by him and all that stuff, and yeah. uh, I mean rightfully so, but I mean it's it's kind of just authentic to a teenager with that kind of dad. Right, exactly. Um yeah. Totes agree. Yeah, he's he's a really fun character too. And you know, there's there's plenty of examples of him going above and beyond to be a mm-hmm. good dad and that's his primary focus in life. Um so mm-hmm. still a good role model. Yeah. In that regard. And uh Ty Burrell is just fantastic. He really is. Yeah. I I, I kinda I kinda stop watching the show regularly as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, my girlfriend loves it, so nice. I'll probably basically be forced to watch it. <laughs> right? <laughs> Not that I don't mind because I I do like the show. I just quit watching it as like you know. Mm-hmm. I just watch reruns and stuff. He you know. says, knowing that Paige listens to the podcast, <laughs> she uh-huh. doesn't really. Oh, I didn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, she yeah. did share it on her on her Facebook page though. She did. Nice. She yeah. did. Yep. Mm-hmm. So next. Um, Tim Taylor. Yes, Tim the Toolman Taylor. Classic. Yes. Classic. And he... From again, Home Improvement. From Home Improvement, yes. right. 90s. Um, Home like, Taylor. No, I can't. Really? I got no pun for that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Wow. Um, 
<laughs> again, as as opposed to maybe like being an idiot, he's just super clumsy. Yeah. But but again, he's always doing silly shit like trying to put a V8 on the lawnmower right. and, you know, trying to whatever, I don't know, put a put a jet engine on the vacuum cleaner and like trying to give it more power. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jesus. He, he's a big kid, mm-hmm. but he has the knowledge to do that kind of crazy stuff. Um, also loves his kids mm-hmm. and is always trying to spend time with his kids and take interest in what his kids do. I remember um, throughout the show, it seems like each one of his kids has their own, like, their own, like, uh, hobbies and quirks they want to get into. Like, I remember the oldest kid, I don't even remember his damn name, Brad in the show. Zachary, Brad, yeah. Zachary Ty Bryan. Don't ask me why I remember Yeah. That. Um, he, you <laughs> know, he really gets into soccer. Right. And, like, he ends up, I think he ends up getting a scholarship to play soccer in college. And But, you know, Tim Taylor's more of a football guy. And so mm-hmm. he probably wanted his sons to play football. But, you know, he's like, you know, if, if it makes you happy and you have fun and he totally supports his son's, his son's soccer career and stuff like that. I wonder, I can't remember. I, I haven't watched, I, I haven't watched Home Improvement in several, several years. Yeah. But I kind of wonder if, if there was anything about the kind of, or how, how Tim reacted to the youngest son in the show, Mark, I believe, yeah. uh, kind of going through weird just strange right. like kind of goth phases and and stuff not that goths are weird or anything I, they're weird <laughs> um, hate mail at tiny at <laughs> no um but i kind of i can't remember i would love to go back and check and and see how that is depicted because because tim taylor was very much a kind of kind of depicted as somewhat of a of a clumsy man's man yeah um like the man's kitchen the man like the, all right. the segments were the man's whatever and that may be lazy writing or it may just <laughs> be a more an extension of his character but very much a gearhead you know um home improvement right. driven, driven kind of person um and I, I would love to go back and and see oh, man i wish the show was on netflix or hulu or something because so i would love to see it yeah, well, I remember that the um, the middle kid, um, the most famous one, JTT, JTT, J- Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor, Taylor Thomas. Thomas. I had him read it off of my thigh tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, that's funny. Um, I don't know he, why you're laughing. <laughs> he, uh, I remember his character was like really into uh, like technology, like like computers specifically, nerd. Yeah, yeah. and like gaming and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. you know. Tim Taylor wasn't really into that stuff, but he right. he kind of tried to get into it and understand it because his kid was into it. And so I think he always struggled with Mark mm-hmm. to to reference what you were talking about because right. he, he was always he always went through phases and weird crap and mm-hmm. did did things. I don't remember what all, but yeah, I think that's what he always like. He was he always struggled with that kid, but mm-hmm. but yeah, like his wife always had to like keep him in check. And yeah. He was always doing stupid crap. Always getting sent to the hospital, and, mm-hmm. which I think is a symptom of the fact that it was a a uh, sitcom, a very formulaic sitcom. Yeah, it, this was this uh, home improvement for our young listeners was at yeah. a time when uh stand-up comics were given sitcom deals and their their shows were built around not may, maybe not built around or or influenced from all the time per se, but a a large percentage of it was based around the stand-up act and, and Mm -hmm. they were given TV deals and everything. So, so home improvement was basically Tim, Tim Allen 
was a stand-up comic and was given this this kind of thing. I believe that's how it started. This was very, yeah. very, very common in the '90s, and something that I kind of wish would, you know, happen again. I, I don't. Yeah. It may be more. It may not be as commonplace now, but I feel like there's some some equivalent of it today. Maybe not. Maybe not. Well, Louis. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. But that's more of a. It's not a sitcom. It's smarter, it's, smarter show. Yeah. Yeah. Ex- yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It would. It is. A situational comedy, I guess, but it's not in the traditional sense. Like, right? Um, it's multi-camera and super. Yeah, yeah. And he's very. Uh, or it might be single camera. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, but and he's very, you know, it's very much an exploration of. Granted, this is based on stuff that I've heard and and the bits and pieces of it I've seen, but it's very much an exploration of him as a as a person rather than him in a situation. Right. Um, right. Trying to find different things but yeah. yeah um the last one on the list is peter griffin for the idiots <laughs> yes. which he he's the biggest idiot of them all i think he is of the ones we've listed anyways um he, yeah he's just a, he's just a big kid he he is he, he's the biggest idiot and i feel like he's the le- the by far the least endearing yes of them. yeah um that's yeah. a good that's a good way to put it least endearing yeah um again doesn't doesn't hate his kids he just <sighs> He he loves his kids, and I think he he wants to be a good dad, maybe. Mm-hmm. But it's just really low on his list of priorities. It's uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's context based. It's it's situation yeah. based. Um, it's funny you say that he doesn't hate his kids, except but for Meg. <laughs> but, except for Meg, yeah. But there's also an an episode where uh, there's there's an episode where where the news it's like an april fools episode where they say a meteor is coming and then and then at the last possible moment when they moment when everyone thinks they're about to die um peter keeps doing all he throughout this entire countdown he's been doing all these crazy things like going to the zoo and freeing a lion or something like that or having like riding a lion or some just crazy stuff like that mm-hmm. and then in the last possible moment he's about to go do something else and then lois is like why do, why can't you just be here with your family and he's like i love you you're you're the love of my life and all that stuff but if I'm being honest, I really can't stand the kids. <laughs> <laughs> and then the news, as soon as the countdown ends, the news is like April Fools, and then the rest of the episode is the fallout of him saying that to the saying that about the kids. Jeez. Um, but it's funny because you know, unlike The Simpsons and and the other three shows, the other two shows, uh, Home Improvement and, and Modern Family, in this in this category, unlike those, Family Guy's more. It, it's. Uh, it's not a it's not a show that really delves into the parenthood aspect of it it's it's mm-hmm. more of a the way that it's the way that I like to look at family guys it's it's a lot of different kinds of shows wrapped into one so they have such an ensemble of characters that they have different avenues that they like different types of episodes that they can have so it's it's never really a family drama and or when it is like a family kind of thing it's it's kind of almost rare because it's a lot of times it's like um a buddy a buddy comedy with brian and and uh, uh peter mm-hmm. or or a uh, a sci-fi time travel thing with brian and stewie or yeah all kinds of different kinds of shows um but yeah it's it's pretty funny though because he is pretty stupid and i will say it's it's weird because this is the show out of the these four that i've watched more than any other of the other ones yeah me too oddly enough i think it, Maybe it's just because it's so accessible, like just right. throwing it on the background. Right. And it was more in our, 
more in our like time period to like it, I guess. Yeah, because Modern Family is more geared towards adults. And I'm talking mm-hmm. like like family adults, like right. You know, the high, 30s and a higher or whatever. Um, right. He says on the podcast where I'm in two weeks about to turn 29, but that's cool. Well, we're not 30, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm talking, you know, like people who have kids and are married, yeah, you know, stuff absolutely. like that. And we don't really fall into that category. Whereas, you know, Home Improvement, we were kids. The Simpsons, right. we weren't even born yet. Right. Um, and. You no, know, Simpsons, we were born. We were born, but yeah. we were newborns. Um, and so Family Guy took off when we were teenagers, and it was so dumb and silly, and, yeah, it's kind of... Right. It just kind of fits the mold for us, personally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So those are the idiots. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Tell us your favorite TV dad, idiot dad, father <laughs> character. That went all over the place. Yeah. Um but yeah, so what's our next what's our next subcategory for TV dads, Tiny? The next uh, category I have um, affectionately called the disciplinarian breadwinners, nice. which sounds that would be hashtag free band name. <laughs> I don't know, um, but yeah, um, you know these are, these are the guys that aren't. It's they're the opposite of the idiots. They're they're either super driven and like super, uh, you know, you know, very very um, ambitious and, and trying to get things done. Mm-hmm. Or they're, they're as far as their fathering goes, they're very they're disciplinarians. You yeah. know, they they keep the kids in line, and whenever the kids have, you know, problems and and want to vent to someone or talk to someone, they go talk to their moms. Yeah, they're you know? they're kind of the antithesis to the of the idiots side because the idiots are kind of the the fun fun characters that are while the while the mother or the the other parental unit of it is kind of the disciplinarian and everything. Right, but. This is the other side of that. This is these are the kind of tough, tough love kind of fathers, or or not really stern. Because I mean, it's more they're the ones that are more likely to stand up for their for their kids, or or to to kind of come to their kids' aid instead of um, conferring with their spouse about it. I, I guess, I yeah, or yeah. letting their spouse take the lead. I guess, right? They're kind of the default lead uh, parent of right. the unit. So what's the first one, Tiny? The first one that kind of came to mind for me, or this one, is Tony Soprano. Um, oh yeah, uh, just because he's he he was really hard on his kids, mainly because mm-hmm. he had to be. Because if you watch that show, the kids are just awful. They're they're horrible people. <laughs> they're spoiled, pain in the ass kids. Um, and so Tony Soprano is also the primary breadwinner. I think he you know he he goes out, earns the money, so he feels like whatever he says needs to go because. He supports the family, mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of a common thing I think throughout this this thread. Um, and so, I think Tony is a great example of this because his, like I said, his kids suck, and they constantly <laughs> they constantly need to be disciplined and uh, you know taught how to do things and 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 made to see the proper way to conduct themselves. Um, and Tony's not afraid to do that at all throughout this this show and i think he he's such an interesting example because he's a sociopath mm-hmm. um and he he cares about his kids because he has to not because he really wants to and because he really loves them it's because he's like well they're my kids this is what you do that's how i feel anyways because i mean the guy doesn't care about anyone but himself because he's mm-hmm. a sociopath or he just at least takes no i'm not sure if that's really the definition of a sociopath i think it's just that they they only act 
they only act to serve their own purposes and their it's own kind of narcissistic ideal. and kind of narcissistic. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. They, they feel no remorse about what happens to other people. Right. Stuff like that. So it doesn't necessarily mean that he can't love his kids. It just means that, you know, he loves his kids because it's something that gives him pleasure. Right. I guess. I don't know, but, um, he, he was an amazing character other than, you know, there's a lot of layers to his character. He was, um, he was more than just a father, but being a father became such a huge part of his character throughout the show. It was kind of more, more than you would really expect for a gangster show. Mm -hmm. Um, because you know, it's so much about him needing therapy and having these panic attacks and, and stuff like that. It's about him trying to balance being a gangster with trying to be mentally healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's, there's just this, this interesting little side of the, of the show where he, he really embraces being a father and it's, it's interesting to watch given the characteristics of Tony Soprano. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I, he loves driving on the New Jersey turnpike. He does. And smoking cigars and that's about it. That's all <laughs> I've, I've watched like not, the first nine episodes of Sopranos. I've always meant to kind of circle back and watch it again, but I, I just, I kind of lost track of it, but I'll watch it eventually, but I can totally see some of that coming through in the, in the first nine episodes that I watched. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll watch it and circle back on it. Yeah. It's a, it's a good show. I, nice. I, I think it's a little overrated. Um, really? Just cause it was a, you know, a gangster show and there's all, there's boobs in almost every episode. Right. Which is what someone gets killed in like almost every episode. Right. I wanted to, my goal was to watch it at the gym. Um, uh, then I realized it's an HBO show. I can't yeah. watch it at the gym. Right. Um, not as overrated as Entourage, but pretty over, somewhat overrated. I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. God. Yeah. yeah. Um, I hate you right hashtag now. Hashtag the boys are back. Um, uh, God. Oh, Entourage. Anyway. I uh, know. I know. <laughs> so the next, the next dad on our list is, dare I say the best? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Um, should I introduce him? Or? I'll go for it. Okay. Uh, coach Eric Tyler. Coach uh, Tyler. He is the, uh, the, the father of, um, Julie Taylor. I couldn't think of, I had no idea. Uh, yeah. Amy Teagarden on Friday Night Lights. <laughs> and, uh, and he's also a father figure to all of the, the youths that he coaches throughout the five seasons of the show. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this just speaks so much to Kyle Chandler as an actor, but he's just fit for that role so well. Like yes. he's got this kind of firm, this firm, like firm mannerisms and kind of a no nonsense approach. But he's very, mm-hmm. he's very approachable and he's very warm in in scenes where he needs to be. And it's he just, I mean, talk about just a, a an actor just tackling a tackling um, (laughs) his character i mean he just he embodies this role so well like uh yeah i yeah i i want him to be my dad um (laughs) jeez which i've said to people before and then they thought that i meant i wanted him to be my daddy but oh my god that's a whole other thing that's that's only on the weekends yeah (laughs) (laughs) that was a very awkward situation (laughs) awkward uh conversation but anyway yeah uh coach taylor he's he's for a show that is at times a bit melodramatic yeah um 
he <laughs> makes me want to rewatch the series from the beginning at some point. Um, and yeah, uh, he, he's just, he's really good. He is. Yeah. And he, he is a disciplinarian cause he's kind of, he's kind of hard on Julie. Like he, mm-hmm. he expects a lot out of her and when she mm-hmm. screws up, he's really tough on her and, and he is the breadwinner. I mean, there's, there's a, a ton of the show is about, you know, how they're going to afford things. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, his wife is pregnant at some point. Is that in the first? Oh yeah, that's right. She beginning. gets, she has another kid. They have another kid. Yeah. Um, I think that's at the, toward the end of season one. I think. That sounds right. It's the, every, every yeah. family show has to have a pregnancy in it. It's right. Like, yeah. The writers are like, Oh God, it's the end of the season. What the hell are you going to do? Someone's <laughs> going to get pregnant. Someone's going to get pregnant. Cause there's like four pregnancies in that show. I think so, yeah. Maybe not that many. Yeah, I don't remember. There's um, a lot. It's yeah. I mean it's it's a it's it's a primetime drama, right? Like kind of basic yeah, network drama, yeah. Yeah. So. But I mean it's it's really good though. I I really yeah. like it. I I think I liked it a lot more than you did, Tiny. But mm-hmm. something about it, I just, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And, and Eric Taylor is at the center of re- the reason why. Kyle Chandler's performance is astounding. Yeah. And I, you know, I can't really knock it. Like, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I didn't like this about it. I didn't like this about it. This is what's wrong with it. It has this problem. That's, that's not, that's not how I feel about it. I think it's a good show. Yeah. I understand why people like it. I just didn't think it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many people who just talk about overrated. Um, so many people <laughs> consider it like to be one of the best shows of all time. Oh yeah. I, I, I don't see that. I, I, I definitely agree on the, there's yeah. a blurb on the back of like the, the DVD set for the yeah. entire series that before I saw it, I was like, Oh, come on guys. <laughs> Cause the blurb said something like potentially the best drama in TV history. I was like, Whoa, simmer down. Yeah. And after watching, I'm like, okay, you got to pump the brakes on, on the hyperbole there, <laughs> but it is in its own right. It is a very, very good show and it achieves yeah. what it sets out to do, which is have a, a very, uh, a very well put together drama um about small town people and in football sometimes the footballs the footballs um absolutely <laughs> although i will say that i i a couple of weeks ago i actually went back and read my review of the whole se- series that i wrote like way back when mm-hmm. um and i for i'd forgotten that there's a lot of plot lines that are just completely unresolved and completely just left hanging <laughs> that there's like a couple characters like throughout the season throughout the series at different times that are introduced as potential like like antagonists for this for the show for the arc for the season and then are just completely forgotten and dropped and never talked about again um and it, so it's kind of it's kind of sloppy in that respect but yeah. it, the finished product though is is worth definitely worth watching for sure and i really really enjoyed it for what it was me too. And it makes me really want Taylor Kitsch to break out and have a good uh, good career. I, at this point, I just really want Taylor Kitsch to just pay his bills. I mean, like I want, like, I want him to be that <laughs> level of success, which yeah. here in a couple of weeks, they're about to premiere season two of True Detective, and he's one of the main, main characters in it. So hopefully that is his breakout performance. But yeah, we, we'll keep, see. we keep saying that. We do, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, Battleship is his brand. Yeah. Just kidding. Ugh. So, do you mind if I also take the reins on the. Uh, next you one? have to, because I haven't seen it. Right. So, um, <laughs> he is. This this next one is the only character who's not an actual father. Um, but I'm. 
I'm letting him in on this list because he's just, he's such a dad. Um, it's agent Phil Coulson played by Clark Gregg on agents of shield. And for people who have only seen Coulson in the MCU Marvel cinematic universe movies, he's when he was resurrected for, um, agents of shield, they basically put him in charge of, of a kind of ragtag team of, of agents and they go on adventures and everything every week. But, the thing that I really love about the characterization of Coulson in the show is that he is, but he is a dad. He's like, he tells corny jokes. He's, he's very stern. He's very like the, the entry point for the show for us is by, is the character of sky who's introduced as a, as an adversary of not adversary, but kind of a hacker kind of uh person who's against shield and then joins shield and becomes a big part of shield. But a lot of the dynamic between uh, Sky and Coulson throughout the first, throughout the two seasons of Agents of Shield is that she is a lost child essentially. Like she has this whole backstory where she doesn't have a family. She's the reason that she's uh, so involved with uh, with getting to the bottom of of the secrets of Shield and everything is because she's looking for her family and all that stuff. So in the in the throughout the course of the two seasons, uh, Coulson becomes a surrogate father for her. And it's really, there's, uh, you know, people, I, I know that agents of shield probably isn't on a lot of people's radar that, that are, you know, if they don't watch it, it's probably not on the radar is the way I'd put it. And, and I mean, that's within, I, I can understand not having it on your radar and not wanting to see it, even if you're a fan of the Marvel movies and everything, but I really think that it shouldn't be discounted as as just a as a cheesy action action show that's that's used to to market movies market the movies because it's in its own right it is a very very good show and it has uh, a lot of that is the a lot of the heart rests in Coulson in the characterization of Coulson and how he is this father type figure and there's a lot of there's an arc in season two which is actually it's worth mentioning it's about to come up on Netflix like within this month I think uh which is just the quick turnaround cuz it it ended its it had a season finale like 3 or 4 weeks ago huh. and I thought that that was really interesting that they're having that quick turnaround to put it on Netflix but um so anyway there there was an arc throughout the second season where Sky Sky's father biological father actually is in is in the show and played by Kyle MacLachlan he's fantastic um but the, there's a dynamic between it's it's almost like a fight for um and this isn't really a spoiler or anything but it's kind of a fight for the affections of of sky or, or the 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 uh it's hard to it's hard to it's hard to say but it's like she's fighting like they're fighting for her affection and her and to get they're each fighting to get her on their side and it's hmm. it's really satisfying the way that it all plays out toward the end um of the season and it ends on such a such a nice note that is it, it's a really great um extension of the of the fatherly characterization of of Coulson and his relationship with Sky throughout the throughout the two seasons it's it's really great growth for the two characters nice yeah Whew. also Chloe Bennett is just beautiful <laughs> um yeah she'll be a good dad someday she, <laughs> i don't <laughs> Yeah, so. <laughs> um, last on the list for our disciplinary and breadwinners is Michael Bluth 
<laughs> um, and it's kind of funny because uh, he's in this category and he fits in this category, but it sort of seems like he doesn't because he doesn't seem to really have to discipline his son very much. He has to discipline his other family members. <laughs> um, That's true. His dad, yeah. his mom, his other brothers, his sister, mm-hmm. brother-in-law. They're just <laughs> morons and crazy yeah. people. And he's constantly having to reel them in and discipline them and try to keep them in line. But ironically, his son is pretty straight-laced and like <laughs> does things by the book, you know, Mr. Manager. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and when he does have to discipline George Michael, it's it's it blows up in his face. It's, yeah. It's just ridiculous. It's, I, I love the character of Michael Bluth so much. Right. Um, he has to act as the patriarch of this family when his dad should be the patriarch, right? but he's in jail. And Michael is the only one who works to keep the family afloat and mm-hmm. together. And he actually tries really hard to keep the company going because his entire family relies on this company being successful. Right. Um, and, and that's like really just the entry point for the series too. Yeah. Like it, 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 the dynamics and, and at play change throughout this, throughout the different seasons. And, and Michael's still kind of the figurehead season four is Michael's a little it, season four. I need, I need to watch again. I need to revisit season four, but it's, he becomes less likable and he's less of the, not that he, not that Michael Bluth was really the, the the uh, straight guy of the, of the show mm-hmm. he was he kind of was to an extent but there were flourishes where he he becomes a bluth like it, it's really good the way that it's written is that he has moments where you can tell like he's a he's not like this this straight laced guy who's like the normal guy of it he's the normal guy but he also is a bluth who has is prone to these uh lapses of of self awareness and judgment and, <laughs> and judgment yeah. Yeah, he's he's a really funny a fun pick for this mm-hmm. for this this category cuz he's just he's such a nice guy and just <laughs> and 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 he he seems like he just doesn't he's very hard working but mm-hmm. I don't know it's just he it's it's a, it's a different dynamic cuz he's a single parent and he's not really it's not so much about him bringing home the bread for his son, mm-hmm. it's about his whole family. Right. Um, it's, it's just such a fun dynamic. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. And Netflix just, or they just announced, I, I think they officially announced that they're coming back for like another, I want to say 15 episode season. Wow. Uh, it should be like next year, I think. I think next year maybe when they film it. But huh. yeah, there's been, there's been talk and it's been pretty much confirmed completely. Nice. Yeah. Pretty nice. <sighs> yeah, so we have one more like category of, of four different dads. Do you want to introduce them? Sure. Um, the last category is kind of the classic one. It's the the wholesome dad. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of where TV launched from, as far as like family family based shows. You kind of had these wholesome dads who were just you know the classic you know get up go to work and and every every single problem that your family hits he handles it splendidly mm-hmm. and it's someone that the kids can look up to and you know the a real like 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 Ward Cleaver from Leave It to Beaver mm-hmm. that's that's the quintessential wholesome wholesome dad I would have him on this list but I never watched Leave It to Beaver I watched like one episode on Netflix really? like like a year and a half ago or something it's yeah. funny this is a slight tangent but um kind of the the kind of the black and white like 50s 
era kind of th- I think it's set in the 50s but I think it was made in like the 60s maybe I think I don't remember but anyway that that kind of aesthetic and and everything it just and this is such a weird comparison to make but it reminds me of it reminded me a lot I had like flashes to um the game Fallout 3 Oh really Um yeah there's like one one part in Fallout 3 where um it's like in in uh, a VR simulator thing where you're in like a fifties kind of thing. Yeah, it's, I remember that. Yeah, it, it was it was just weird. Like that's that's where my brain connected to it. But I would love to go back and watch watch some of that. Yeah. See, so yeah, this this is the wholesome dad who has an answer for everything and just mm-hmm. handles everything perfectly, and he's a perfect role model for his kids and for uh, you know they're they're just they're who you point to as like a model father. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think maybe I put Jay Pritchett on here. I was going to fight you on this one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you yeah. know, I think, I think the reason I put him on here is because he seems like the biggest more moral, moral direction of the show. Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel like any time modern family, if you're not familiar. from modern family. Yeah. Sorry. That's fine. Um, played by Ed O'Neill. Very, perfectly i he's just fantastic oh he's amazing i I love ed o'neill on this show so much um really there's not a weak character on that whole show but he's one of my favorites and um he's actually very similar to my girlfriend's dad um it's (laughs) it's pretty funny Uh, anyways um because jay is very he's actually pretty imperfect on the show he's Mm. he screws up a lot but not not to an idiot level dad like homer simpson or peter griffin Mm -hmm. But he'll he'll just make small mistakes, and it's it leads to some some minor but very entertaining catastrophes. So he's not he's not really wholesome in the classic sense, like some of the other other examples on that that we have for this. But I feel like he is just the moral the moral compass of the show. He's constantly whenever there's a question of is this right or wrong, it feels like Jay has the most the most the heaviest input in, in mm-hmm. that episode. And I wonder if that's like a generational thing. Cause he's be. kind of the, that's, that's my, my go-to with Jay Pritchett from, and granted, I've only seen the first two seasons really. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to go back and watch that show. It's um, still very good. Nice. Yeah. Um, but he kind of seems the, the kind of analog dad in the digital world kind of, kind of, mm-hmm. uh, um, archetype i I guess Mm -hmm. um so maybe that there is some wholesomeness to him there um but it's more of a kind of uh old school variety i guess yeah yeah i don't know i just that's my take on it i I always think of the episode where i think it's in the first season where manny's dad comes to visit um and he's gosh he's played by what's Um, his face i can't think of the actor I can't think Hispanic of actor. I can't think of his name. Um, Brett Ratner. That that's a director. That's a director. I don't know why I thought that. Anyways. Anyway. Uh, and and it turns out that he's supposed to go on this this event with with Manny. I can't remember what what they're supposed to do, but they're supposed to go do something. And he ends up ditching Manny and taking mm-hmm. off and doing something else. And there's just this really nice you know moment where. Jay Pritchett is talking to the camera and he's like, you know, one of the biggest things about being a good father is you just have to show up. You just have to be there. And when Manny's all distraught and sad about the fact that his biological father is not there to take him on this trip, Mm -hmm. Jay shows up and makes Manny feel better. And I always think of that when I think of Jay and 
there's there's a handful or several examples of Jay doing something like that throughout mm-hmm. all the different seasons of seasons of Modern Family. So that's why I thought of him for this, even though he's not really a perfectly wholesome dad. I don't know if I'd point to the word wholesome. I mean, he married like a, a woman who's half his age, right? Because she said she's he, 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 he basically got a trophy wife. So that's <laughs> not exactly the most uh, noteworthy thing or the most uh, moral thing, I guess. But right. But I still think he's, in, in a way, you can kind of shoehorn him into this category, which sure. I just tried to do. So, And I won't give you any, any fight on that. Um, yeah. yeah. Gosh, why can't I think of his name? Uh, Benjamin Bratt. Benjamin Bratt. Okay. So, yeah, it's Benjamin Bratt. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, these next two, I've got... Go ahead, take really? the reins. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I don't have a lot to say about them. These are... Mm-hmm. This, this is the oldest show on this Mm -hmm. whole the whole show that we're talking about the whole list um Mm -hmm. andy griffith um from the andy griffith show Mm -hmm. uh he's absolutely the wholesome dad i mean the guy is the sheriff of of mayberry um he's he's a cop he's always he's he is the guy who all you know the uh opie always comes to dad when he has a problem and dad always has a solution uh he's one of those kind of one of those kind of dads, you know, he keeps, he keeps all the other, all the other characters in the show in line. And he's just, he's the moral compass. He's the strong, silent type. Um, I haven't watched a ton of Andy Griffith. Um, Me neither. It's also on Netflix as well. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, that's good to know. Um, but yeah, it's just, but those, sorry, uh, sorry. I was just going to say those shows have like 30 episode seasons and like, Oh, do they really? It's, it's kind of insane. Jeez. But anyway, what were you going to say? Um, I don't think I need to talk about him that much because right. he's Andy Griffith. I mean, he's the definition of a wholesome dad, mm-hmm. um, especially for a certain generation. You know, that's just oh, yeah. how. And, and Andy, the Griffith, Andy Griffith show is kind of timeless. I mean, I remember watching it as a kid and being like, oh, this is fun, even though it's in black and white and it was 50 years old at the time. Mm-hmm. Did you ever, up. nice, did you ever go to the Mayberry Cafe here in never. Indianapolis? Never. It's like in Danville. Uh-uh, never been. Oh, I, I don't know if it's still there or not, but I remember going uh a long time ago and thinking, oh, it's cool. It never didn't really make me want to watch the show, but okay. like they have an old style police car outside. It's right, cool. right. Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. So I can't really comment on it. I think my dad really liked this show. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about it. Yeah, it's an institution. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the next one is kind of a, an update of Andy Griffith, at least in my opinion. Uh, Cliff Huxtable from uh, the Bill Cosby Show. Uh, Did he Andy Griffith rape a lot of people. Wow. Sorry. Sorry. Wow. Yeah, the timeliness of this <laughs> is not not great. Um the character was wholesome, not the actor. Right. Um and he really was. You know, he was he was a doctor. Yeah, he was Dr. Huxtable, yeah. Yeah. Uh he was a doctor, always wore the nice sweaters. <laughs> um, <laughs> he just looked like a wholesome guy, you know, mm-hmm. and he he more updated version, it's you know, he's he's like a black it's a black family. Mm-hmm. Um and it's it's a fun show, and it's interesting because it really it really crossed race lines. Like no mm-hmm. one cared that it was a black family, you know. It's right. even though it was the '80s, and you know, not like not like racism was a huge, like not like you know, it wasn't like in the '60s or whatever before right. we had the civil yeah. rights. Act. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not like where everyone was a huge racist, but still, it, there wasn't just a lot of. It seems like there was still a lot of 
division across race lines. Mm-hmm. But this show didn't have that problem. But th- it had a huge, you know, mixed race audience. Um, and Doctor Huxtable was just like he's he's so, like Andy Griffith. He was just the go to guy. The kids were always coming to dad mm-hmm. for for their problems, and uh, mom was more the disciplinarian. Um, he's just such a relatable guy. Nice, uh, Doctor Huxtable. Yeah, I don't think I need to defend this one very much either. Yeah, I don't think so. Talk either. it up much. Um, like I said, unfortunately, some things about Bill Cosby have come to light that right. that cast an unfortunate shadow on the show and mm-hmm. and the character of Doctor Huxtable. But I don't think, regardless of what he does, I don't think he could, I don't think he can ruin that work really. Right. Because it wasn't just his. You know, it was yeah. a whole yeah. team of writers and um. So yeah, if we could, if we look past that, I still think that he's a awesome example of a wholesome dad. Right. Right. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Um, do you mind if I introduce the Please. last one? This is the last Please. one on our whole list, actually. Um, <laughs> this is kind of the, for me at least, this is kind of the character, the person you think of when you think TV dads. Yeah. Um, Danny Tanner, played by Bob Saget hey, on Have you Full ever House. sucked dick for weed? <laughs> <laughs> Does he say weed or coke? Well, he says, he says, have you, like, he asked him, like, oh, yeah, it's addictive. Have you ever sucked dick for weed, man? Oh, okay. And he's like, he's like, I have. I suck dick for Coke. I don't, (laughs) I think he asked him that, I don't know. Full House is so different than I remember. (laughs) (laughs) That's from the movie Half Baked. Right, right. Remember. But, uh, you know, it's funny. This, the timeliness of this is interesting because I just, I kind of recently have been listening to the, um, uh, Everywhere You Look podcast. Oh, my God. That it's, it's uh, a husband and wife. They do a, do episode by episode podcast d- dissecting Full House from the beginning. Wow. And it's, it's, it's really, really funny. Is it um, really? No, oh, yeah, it's hilarious. Nice. They, they kind of, it's, it's interesting because they're viewing it through the lens of adults who, who, can't really like the show isn't made for them currently yeah. like they're our age and they're watching as like and they're seeing like okay well like <laughs> in the early episodes of the podcast the um tom the the male host of the, of the two he uh he posits that joey gladstone is mentally disabled <laughs> and <laughs> and it's backed up <laughs> pretty consistently that's hilarious um yeah it's 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 fantastic so check out every everywhere you look podcast um bonus there they they are somewhere in indiana so that's cool nice yeah but anyway danny tanner he embodies the wholesome uh wholesome father on television uh archetype for at least our generation because i don't know about you tiny but i remember just watching the show i mean as a kid it just constantly and i mean every episode had you know a a danny tanner kind of monologue where he basically breaks down the the what he like what what the events of the episode needs to impart on his daughters Mm -hmm. and kind of this kind of a a hokey like wrap-up monologue that's very heartfelt and everything like that and it's you know it's the show is it doesn't hold it doesn't really stand up yeah. Well, but it's uh, it's the quintessential wholesome show for me. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's always Danny Tanner is always he's he's like a perfectionist, and he's always keeping things clean, <laughs> and he's always uh, you know, everything's so or he's always obsessive compulsive about everything, right? Yeah, it's he's 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 arguably the most wholesome 
mm-hmm. even maybe above Andy Griffith, but I don't know about that. But right. But yeah, he he's totally he's the Andy Griffith of the nineties. Yeah, absolutely. Which is so funny if you watch Bob Saget stand up. He just <laughs> right. you know Matt talked about how in the nineties stand up comics would get their own sitcoms uh, based around their act a little bit and mm-hmm. kind of falling into the following the the, the the categories and the the characteristics of the comic they'd, they'd build a show around it well this is not one of those cases right. because bob saget is very dirty and just really a crazy guy and he's nothing at all like danny tanner so it's it's pretty mm-hmm. funny yeah um yeah I, I used to watch i used to watch uh full house all the time yeah i was telling a, a friend of mine sam from uh he's one of the contributors on obsessive book nerd we were talking about uh full house and I swear, like seriously, if if Full House, I will say this right now, if Full House is put on Netflix from beginning to end, the entire series, <laughs> I will binge watch the hell out of it. Yeah. And then with with or without you, Tiny, we'll have Sam on the podcast to talk about Full House. He has like an encyclopedic <laughs> knowledge of Full House. Yeah. And he is a huge fan of it. And I would love to love to you know have an entire episode dedicated to this to this show. Yeah. So, cool. Yeah, so look for that in the future. If you know, email Netflix and tell them that you want Full House on Totes. Netflix. Let's do it. Yeah. So that does it for our TV dads discussion. Um, yeah. There was a. There was a. Okay, this this will be fun. You know, we're both we're both like we're both twenty eight. Yes. And I'm about to turn twenty nine. We neither neither of us have kids that we know about. Um, <laughs> Which dad do you feel like you'll be? Which kind of dad? Um, probably. Assuming you have kids, I don't know. I'll probably have kids. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna have kids. Nice. Um, Matt is a great name. <laughs> uh, Jay Pritchett. Nice. I think so. Nice. Yeah. Do you have any idea what you, you'll name your kids? I'm seriously concerned that you'll <sighs> steal my steal my son's name. No. Okay, good. I don't. I. I'm not gonna have any say in it. My wife will pick them. Okay, good. I don't really care. She's never read The Dark Tower, has she? Probably not. Okay, good. Okay, keep it that way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Um. Well, when I have kids, you know, I think that little uh, Roland Hurt will, Roland Edwin Edwin Hurt will he'll um, <laughs> he'll have a father that's uh, you know I don't know I feel like I'm I would be more the I don't know what this says about me, but the idiot type. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It depends on who I marry. You would be I, you would be so Phil Dunphy. It really. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it really depends on what uh, what kind of mother Jennifer Lawrence is. <laughs> nice. I'm going to be. <laughs> um, please return my calls and my emails <laughs> and my letters that I send you and written in my blood. Um, oh my god this went to a dark place so let's go to potpourri uh for this is your first time listening this is our section of the episode where we talk about anything we want as long as it smells good it's pretty much anything that we're watching wanting to watch anything like that um and usually what i've been doing is i've been doing from i've been bringing up different things from different media media services that i've i've been using um but this this time I, i only have two things and I'll, I'll get us kicked off by talking about a Netflix original series. Uh, uh, Sensate. It was just released on June 5th. I watched the first episode. It's from uh, from the Wachowskis and uh, J, uh, J. Michael Straczynski. I, I, Straczynski. Straczynski. Uh, he, was, he was the uh, 
the man, the guy behind Babylon Five. Okay. Um, he's written a lot of a lot of stuff. But anyway, so this show is a sci-fi a sci-fi series. It's a Netflix original series where uh, these eight people are all kind of interconnected with with this uh, are all mentally interconnected. So it's it's kind of this kind of where they can each kind of in uh, interact with each other's mind hmm. and get kind of their their different. Uh, abilities and transport to each other's locations i i guess i don't know but um the first episode i, I only watched the first episode it's a, and it's an hour and five minutes long but it's it, you know it's kind of promising it's uh the writing is the dialogue felt a little flat in places okay um and it really throws a lot of different characters at you and all in one fell swoop and it's kind of kind of gets a little a little difficult to really uh, latch on to latch on to what's going on because you're so busy kind of keeping track of all of these different characters mm -hmm. and you with so many characters being introduced you only get like a finite amount of time with each one and it's it's kind of hard to latch on to some of them I didn't really care that much about others I I, I kind of latched on to like there's there's a cop character. There's one one part that bugged me, and this is nitpicking at best. But there's one part where where uh, one of the one of the sensates, um, he is a police officer in Chicago, and he he and his partner are going. It's not really that clear what they're doing, unless I missed something. Because like I said, it's a, it's a very muddled show, at least in that first episode. But they they go through like this this kind of kind of really. Uh, ghetto kind of area like this very high high drug high crime area and they're going through this building for whatever reason and the guy comes across this kid that's been shot and he's there this just rubbed, rubbed me the wrong way <laughs> that the kid is is sitting there on the ground shot with with a wound an, an open gunshot wound in his side and uh the the cop go turns to his partner and he's like call an ambulance and then the <laughs> the partner says, are you serious? What do you think? This is TV. Ain't no, no ambulance is going to come down here. I'm what? like, that, that makes absolute, that makes no sense. <laughs> and then, so the, so the cop has the, has the kid put pressure on the wound and then picks him up to take him to the car. And then the whole time the the guy's like, the guy's like, what are you doing? Gorinsky or Gorosky or whatever. I'm like, I'm like, he, he's saving a kid's life. You dick. I don't, I don't understand. And then like, when they get to the hospital, like one of the nurses is like, "Oh no, we don't, we don't treat gunshot wounds here anymore." What? Because we, yeah, because we don't have the. I, I think that she, she, it was like we don't have the resources to, and it's very. I didn't like like that. That would have made me, if the premise wasn't so interesting to me, I would have given up on the show on that basis. Because after the kid is spoiler alert, after the kid is you know, out of surgery and everything, the nurse comes back to the back to the cop and she's like, she's like, well, um she's like, well, what if, what if he, you saved him? So what if he grows up and he kills someone and kills a cop or something? Jeez, I'm like, what the hell? Like what, what, what happened? <laughs> like, <laughs> this isn't the Chicago that our, our, uh, our friend Mike White, uh, knows and loves. Yeah. I, don't, I don't understand <laughs> like, and it's such, and that's kind of, that's one of the main problems I have is, is the writing just wasn't there for me in that first episode. But, yeah. Like I said, the the premise is so interesting. We have these eight kind of, kind of uh, this ensemble of characters that all have their own things going on that are all bound together. And maybe that's maybe that's my lost fandom coming into play a little bit. Okay. 
not that I'm saying that this has a chance to be anything like Lost, because judging from that first episode, I mean, I, it, I don't know. It's it's a little muddled, but it has some potential. I'm not going to judge it based on this first episode, but it didn't inspire a lot of confidence. But what confidence it did inspire, its high points were, the high points of the episode could make for great television if they are explored fully throughout the season. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. I didn't think that was coming out this year. I thought it was like next year or something like that. Nope. June 5th. Nice. And uh, features Naveen Andrews from Lost. Sweet. He's the, only, he's the only like notable person that I've ever seen in anything. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so what do you got for Poker? Cool. Uh, I wanted to talk about this, uh, the show last week tonight with John Oliver. Um, there were a couple of really funny segments. Um, it was in the news that uh, the organization FIFA, which is soccer... I guess I don't know. I don't really know a lot about the the, the controversy that happened. Okay. I know a bunch of top officials with that organization were arrested. Oh yeah, I heard for, about that. Yeah, for various reasons. Um, John Oliver has a personal vendetta against FIFA because it's he thinks it's the most corrupt sports organization in the world. It's supposed to be a nonprofit organization, but they make like billions of dollars every year. Um, the they sponsor and run the World Cup every four years, which is has turned into an event that is just hugely exploitative of wherever it's held. Um, mm. Which I believe it was held in Brazil. I want to say was it Brazil? I think it was Bra- South Africa. It was held in okay. South Africa most recently, I believe. And you know they had to build like six stadiums for it or something. Oh wow! And the biggest one, like the the the, the Granddaddy Stadium, is just sitting there empty now. Um, oh wow! And the, they they don't have anything to do. With, there's just nothing to do with it. Huh. They, they they can't they can't get anything to happen inside that. So that you know, tens of millions of probably hundreds, close to a billion dollar stadium mm-hmm. is just sitting there, and it's not doing any good for anybody. Jeez. And FIFA just pulled all the money out of that event, and just very little of it was put put back into South Africa to wow. to support its infrastructure. So it's just a very exploitative. Um organization and so john oliver talks a lot of shit about him and so whenever this this happened he was just so happy um and he wants it to lead to the absolute tumble of fifa oh wow and so he it was so i the reason why i loved this so much is because he he was so smart about this he cut right to how he, he cut to the most important thing being money mm-hmm what he did is he spoke to he he on his show he spoke to all the sponsors he was like look coca-cola um uh adidas uh budweiser i can't remember what the other one was um but he was like if you he's like you need to to talk to fifa and pull your sponsorship unless they start making some major changes and he was nice. like he was like adidas if you pull your sponsorship i will wear one of your hideously ugly outfits <laughs> Uh, your your shoes or whatever. He's like, he was like, he was like Budweiser. I will on this show publicly consume one of your one of your beverages and say it's delicious. It could be a Bud Light. It could even be a Bud Light Lime. And and just I, I'm really not doing it justice. You have to you have to go look up the video. It's so mm-hmm. funny. Um, and so that was when all this FIFA stuff was going on, like a week ago or two weeks ago. Well, mm-hmm. um, the president of FIFA ended up resigning. 
Oh, wow. And he really hated this guy. I think he was like, he was like Swedish or something. And so <laughs> this past week when he was on, he was like, well, a promise is a promise. And so he, uh, he ended a uh, McDonald's. McDonald's was the other sponsor. Mm. He said, he, he made them a bet. He was like, I'll, Adidas, I'll wear your shoes. McDonald's, I will take one bite of every item on your dollar menu. Oh my God. <laughs> and, and Budweiser, I will chug a Bud Light Lime and say it's delicious. Um, wow. And he made good on his bet. He wore <laughs> these awful, hideous Adidas shoes on the show, and he took a bite of everything, and then he actually chugged a Bud Light Lime and called it delicious on the show. That's awesome. It was glorious. And like he, he compared the taste of Bud Light Lime to uh, the ejaculate of the Jolly Green Giant. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's was, terrific. It was so funny. Um I just I highly recommend checking out the videos because it's hugely entertaining and funny, but it's also really, really clever and like such a like he I think he in some small way or maybe a big way, he contributed to sponsorship being pulled from FIFA. I mm-hmm. really I really think he did. And it's nice. just he actually did something. I mean it was just it was so fun to watch. I, I highly recommend checking out the videos. Nice. It was really funny. If uh, if I'm not mistaken, I could very well be mistaken. I'm going off of a Reddit comment that I I saw the other day. Um, I believe that pretty much all of all of last week tonight's stuff is available on YouTube. Oh, is it? Um, I believe so. Okay. Um, I'll dig up the links to this stuff and then put it in the show notes for easy access. But nice. um, that's another aspect of it that I think is really interesting. That yeah, if that's true, he he's you know, it's cool that they put that stuff on youtube yeah um i haven't watched i haven't watched his show but from what i hear he's crushing it that's what i hear too yeah he's he's the show is fantastic that's mm. what i hear so. i think a lot of that is a lot of the good aspect of that is that it's it's a weekly show so it's not yeah. it's not like the pressure of doing a nightly nightly show right right um yeah uh well i'll go ahead and round us out for potpourri for this episode mm-hmm. um the other thing that I've been watching lately is among among a couple other things, but this is the one that I want to talk about. And I know I've talked about it before, but uh, Star Trek, mm-hmm. and I've got about six episodes left in season two. And <laughs> let me—I'll preface this by saying that I was really proud of what I put in the pod chat to you guys the yeah. other day. Yeah, I because for for. For those listening, I'm planning a just ridiculously ambitious review series of Star Trek everything. So, like, I'm doing the original series. Every 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 incarnation of the series to date, except for the Star Trek Continues web series that's going on currently. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, every incarnation of the show and movies and everything, I have it all listed. And I'm going to review a season-by-season review and movie-by-movie review and everything. And I added to that a supplemental reviews of um, the Blu-ray box sets for the original motion picture uh, collection on Blu-ray and the in the Next Generation uh, Blu-ray collection movie set. So I recently went ahead and just bought the uh, I bought I bought the motion the original motion picture collection. Uh, set. So I posted a picture in the pod chat and with it side by side with the Star Wars collection saying, uh, you know what? I'm going to dig it up. I know you're going to do that. Yep. Classic Matt. <laughs> you have all your sci-fi on that shelf. I do. A bunch of sci-fi. Uh, thank you for show. noticing that. Yeah. Painstaking. <laughs> not really, but yeah. Not only, it's not really only sci-fi, it's all my space. Space, right. Sci-fi, except for, uh, 
after Inception, after that, it's all space sci-fi. Right. Except for Guardians, which Guardians is uh, with my Marvel stuff. Yeah, of course. Obviously. Obviously. So I posted a picture in the pod chat of the Star Trek the original motion picture collection uh, set, uh, which has the first six movies in the Star Trek franchise that all has the original cast. Um and then right next to the Star Wars Complete Saga Collection, which has the six movies. Yeah. So I put, hey, guys, check out my Blu-ray set of six sci-fi movies that are super super influential to the sci-fi genre and respected by movie fans. Oh, and there's my Star Wars Blu-ray set also. <laughs> um, so anyway, <laughs> that's a really long way to do that. And I might cut all of that out because what I want to talk about is how much I f***ing love Star Trek. Really? Like it is, you know, it's, you know, we make a lot of jokes about the, the, the supposed, uh, dueling of, of Star Trek fans versus Star Wars fans. And some people, like the people who take that seriously are ridiculous. Like it's, mm-hmm. I think Mike mentioned this on a previous episode a long time ago, but it's, they're incomparable because Star Trek is so much better. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say so much better. It's so much more. To my liking, it's in, in I, <sighs> okay. So last week when we had Fekus on for the Poltergeist episode, was that last week? Yep. Yeah. Uh, for the Poltergeist episode, I, he and I were having a conversation before we, before we were recording where, uh, I mentioned I was watching Star Trek and he said that he has never watched it, but he's always wanted to. I, if you're listening to this and you have, you're in that position, watch Star Trek because it's, you know, the original series, what I've seen of it. It's dated. It's it's cheesy. It's really it's really nice that Netflix has um, the remastered versions because the the scenes of of the Enterprise in space and everything it's it's kind of it's the it they really updated the visuals for it so it's it's all com- computer animated and everything mm-hmm. so it really pops. But the thing that resonates with me with Star Trek is that it. It tells so it does what it does what great science fiction does. Mm-hmm. It tells human stories about the human condition under under the uh, umbrella of the science fiction science fiction world, and it uses it uses this science uh, it uses science fiction as a vessel to kind of really um, really show what humanity is really like. It's it's a very and it's it's so smart that way. It's so smart that way, showing uh, Kirk and Spock and and Bones and and the crew going to a civilization that that's still primitive, and they're 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 you know the prime directive is don't interfere with this this culture and everything. But uh, Kirk, I'm this is all referencing one episode, but he's he goes to this uh, he finds a friend and everything. He finds out that the Klingons have. Um, have supplied the opposing like tribe with uh guns like flintlock guns Hmm. and so the whole episode is his is kirk kirk and uh uh bones arguing over whether or not they should supply the the other side which are really like pacifist guys um with with these things with with weapons and it's just really i'm not doing it justice but it's it's so satisfying to see these kinds of things play out on TV on a, on a episode by episode basis, like these kinds of like very dense with philosophy and, and, um, um, sounds like morality too. Yeah. Morality and, uh, 
like just like I'm <laughs> I had a whole fucking speech and everything in my head and I kind of just I'm I'm kind of freeballing in here but um it's so satisfying to see Star Trek really explore human nature as mm-hmm. a whole in these in these very unique ways and and tell these morality tales and these philosophical tales and and just just espousing on what it is to be a human being and what it is to be compassionate and and what it is to be like you know evil and it's it's so much more dense than than I ever really imagined it would be um hmm. And it's it's so so satisfying, and and kind of the the stuff that they the stuff that they get into is really also there's a lot of humor to it. Like there's one episode that's just <laughs> it's called a piece of the action where um, the Enterprise goes to a planet that a previous starship has has been to like a hundred years in the past or something. I, I don't remember, um, but they left behind something, or they left behind it's believed that the ship influenced the culture of the planet in a mm. negative way. So they're going to going to basically uh, reverse it, I guess, or, or fix it and everything. Troubleshoot. Pretty much. They're, they're, they're going to see how big of a ripple it caused, but <laughs> the world that they go to <laughs> is the, the other starship had left a bunch of books and the one book that they latched onto that the society of the entire planet latched onto as a Bible for how they should, how they should, um, pattern their entire culture, culture for the planet is a book about 1920s gangsters from Chicago. <laughs> so everyone's walking around with like Tommy guns and they're talking like in, in nice suits and yeah. they're all like, it's all like, there's no government in the entire planet. It's all just territories of different gangsters and stuff. And then <laughs> it reaches a point where Kirk and Spock have to, they put on like the attire of twenties gangsters. And then they, they basically go to get all of the gangs together and they're like, all right, the Federation is taking over <laughs> and they put on these, these kind of, you know, fake twenties accents. It's, it's such a riot, but that's funny. Yeah. But it's, it's, I can't speak highly enough about my experience watching Star Trek and I'm really excited to watch more of it. Um, it's so, so good. Um, and I feel like people that, blindly i don't know if anyone i don't know if anyone listening to this podcast is of the of the of the mindset where they're where they'll be like well i love star wars so i'm not going to watch star trek i don't know if anyone's like that but if you are don't it's it's a wildly different thing um and it's so so satisfying nice and it has (laughs) it makes me nervous for when i go back to watch the jj abrams movies because it has retroactively made me a little hesitant to watch those movies mm-hmm. because those movies, while super entertaining and super accessible and what made me really interested in watching Star Trek and everything, they are not in keeping with what Star Trek, as I've come to learn about it in the first two seasons of the original series is about. Hmm. And that really kind of troubles me a little bit. Um, yeah. So, okay. I love Star Trek. I'd like to watch it someday. Do it. Do it now. Someday. Okay. See? All right. Well, that about does it for us. Uh, watch Star Trek and, uh, yeah, that's Star about Wars it. rules. Okay. No, it really doesn't. <laughs> it does. You're, you know, that that's okay. That's okay. It's just, you know, <laughs> a good versus evil thing, you know, and Star Trek just encompasses all of humanity. So, okay. Well, thank you for listening. <laughs> 
right. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Like certain uh, certain types of dads are popular at certain times across mm. across the the history of television. I guess. Yeah, totally. Like, kind of. I don't know about anymore, but I mean, it's kind of the similar as having sim similar as having. Fuck. <laughs> it's kind of the same as like now. It's kind of trendy to have these kind of dark. As always, loyal listeners, thank you for listening to the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. And thank you, of course, to Loud Like for providing our awesome opening theme music. Their first EP, uh, their first of a few actually coming out in the next few months. Check them out. Uh, anyway, it's called Mistakes We Must Make and features our theme song and a clips of events. Um, make sure that you rate and review us on iTunes after you listen to this episode. It helps us out a lot uh, and it gives us the ability to say, hey, people like us. Also, please like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer. And you can follow each of us on Twitter. You can find Matt at obsessive viewer. Tiny is obsessive tiny. And me, Mike, I'm at I am Mike White on Twitter. You can also check out the blog at obsessiveviewer.com where all three of us, but mostly Matt, review movies and TV shows and uh, talk about all kinds of things. It's kind of the, the written form of this podcast. Um, you can also check out Obsessive Book Nerd, which has book reviews and commentary on the evolving world of reading. And also check out Tiny's The Secular Perspective, which is a podcast exploring the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. Um, if you have any thoughts on the podcast in general or this particular podcast you just listened to or even suggestions for future podcasts, please, please email us individually at Matt, Tiny, or Mike at ObsessiveViewer.com or you can just email the podcast directly as a whole kind of directed to all three of us at podcast at ObsessiveViewer.com. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.